Welcome to a night full of personal ghost stories, comics, and questioning reality with Cincinnati cartoonist and regional Emmy winner, Kevin Necessary. and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am your host, Kat Logo. Along with me in the shadows, as always, is Jen and Christina. I'm sure they're waving to you like I'm waving to you now. So we have a great guest on tonight. Tonight is a night full of ghost stories and comics with Cincinnati cartoonist and regional Emmy winner, Kevin Necessary, as we talk about his personal experiences with the paranormal you can follow us on social media at sin cabinet curio on twitter cincy cabinet of curiosities on instagram and as always you can send us your hometown haunts to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com we're an official podcast on itunes spotify amazon and soundcloud find us on itunes at cincinnati cabinet of curiosities please rate and review us there and on youtube so you and other spooky lovers like yourself can find us link in the show notes and also thank you jen for putting us on all those wonderful medium media platforms there we go that's the word media platforms phrase that's a phrase anyway so on to tonight's guest a little introduction but he is great and really doesn't need it kevin necessary is a freelance illustrator and editorial cartoonist he's currently the editorial cartoonist for the cincinnati inquirer his cartoons are syndicated by Go Comics, and his cartoons have been published in a variety of publications, such as The Week and Politico. The Cincinnati native, Kevin, will fight to the death defending Cincinnati Chili, and he lives with his wife, Julie, and their three cats, Huckleberry, Grayson, and Bonnie. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Well, thanks for having me, Kat. Yeah, this is fun. We've known each other for a while, because we're yeah. both part of the Jedi Council for the, um, the, the May the Fourth Be With You art show and we just geek out about star wars and all things so it's great to have you on the show especially since you are a contributing member to the second volume of the cincinnati cabinet of curiosities i'm yeah i'm really excited that uh you guys asked me to be a part of it and um yeah uh that's actually the first time that i've ever done you know any actual comics pages all my other comics have been web comics so oh, wow. i've never actually had them you know, done as prints or, you know, they're, you know, they're editorial cartoons. So they're not, you know, at, you know, they're not comics pages. So yeah, was a, this was something really different for me, something that I've always wanted to do. So like sequential art, long form pages yeah. is new to you. Wow. Yeah. And for our listeners, just if you, in case you don't know, cause like Kevin and I are both cartoonists, but in different genres of the larger, larger world of comics, you have short form comics and long form comics, short form are your one panel, two panel, three panel newspaper cartoons. And then you have long form, which could be graphic novels or even short stories, as long as it's more than a few panels that could be considered a long form comic. So it's really fun. I'm really interested actually in finding how that adjustment was. And I asked Steve the same question of working from the single panel or shorter comic forms to this longer story format. Did you find it difficult? Oh yeah. It was, um, I mean, it was really challenging because I have never had to think about, 
you know, layouts in that way and, you know, the design of a page in that way. And I know, you know, I know what to do. I know, you know, we're reading left to right and then, you know, top to bottom. And um, I was really trying to make sure that my pages, you know, came out readable and, and clear, but it was still just a, uh, a, a real challenge for me getting, going beyond uh, doing single or, you know, I mean, I, I'll do multi-panel cartoons, but in, in, in a single cartoon. Um, and a lot of times because it's an editorial cartoon, the talking heads. Uh, so, you know, and I, and I draw fast and I'm, I'm really not paying attention to, uh, you know, details and, and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there were a whole lot of different things that, you know, I, I found uh, uniquely challenging. Like I, was getting bogged down by single panels and I had to like get out of my head like no it, it it's it's not about the single panel it's about every single panel put together as a whole um you know I had to you know as I said think about the layout I've done long form comics before but they've always mm -hmm. been uh panel by panel by panel you know sort of in a you know a, a scroll on yeah. a website right so they've never been collected a, as a book and yeah um you know, so that's, you know, it, it was, uh, it was fun. You know, I want to do it again. Yeah, it, it's, I enjoy it. Like, I always tip my hat to people that do political comics or one panel comics, or even just two, because you have to be able to condense your joke, generally, uh, to just a short amount of time. Yeah. And I'm so used to drawing just personally. I draw long graphic novels. So I'm always about the slow burn. And then having to condense everything just boggles my mind. So I'm always impressed with the comics that you draw and share on Instagram and on Go Comics. Because I'm like, man, how does he do that? So, yeah. It's tough. Um, you know, because I mean, I, I, think, I think of myself much more of a, as a storyteller. Mm -hmm. than doing and then someone who you know does a you know just a single panel so i love doing multi-panel comics mm -hmm. um you know but this is the first time that i've really ever expanded it to a page and um yeah it was a, it was a lot of fun uh, that's good yeah. i'm glad we just christina and i could get that opportunity made for everyone to try new things too without a whole lot of Oh, pushback, I guess. We kind of let everyone play in the sandbox of comics and said, go create. We yeah. want to see what you're doing. And I really love what you came up with. And I love the story. And uh, I really am loving everything tonight. Uh, personal ghost experiences are my favorite thing out of all paranormal stories. People can tell me about their own personal UFO experiences sasquatch those are all great but ghosts you want my attention that and you have shared your experience with one of the residents of the chillicothe gazette do you mind sharing your experience with all of our listeners well sure um so i used to work at the chillicothe gazette i was the design editor uh there in uh, 2003 and 2004 and Chillicothe was the first and third capital of Ohio. Uh, so it's, you know, it's a small town, rural, um, you know, but just it's an know, old it's, town. It's an old town. It's a very, yeah. like, you, you can feel it in its bones. It's an old town. Um, and it's, I don't know if you, 
ever watched the the show um, Northern Exposure? Yes. You know, back in the nineties, where yeah. there was like you know it was like you know that small town in in Alaska and all these just very interesting characters would just show up and yeah. you know, become part of the fabric of that town. That's how I felt about Chillicothe. It was, uh, it was just such a, a, a bizarre and wonderful and interesting place to be uh, mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And um, I really loved being there. Uh, I had a lot of fun, but like you said, it was an old town and it has a reputation of being haunted. Oh yes, it does. Um, <laughs> and you know, and you and you learn that very quickly. You know, being in Chillicothe. So the the Chillicothe Gazette building uh, when I was there was a replica of the original State House from okay. uh, from Ohio. Uh, and I, I believe it was a little bit bigger than the replica, but it had some of the, the original stones. Um, that original state house was built in the early 1800s. This was built in 1941. And, okay. But it still had a very old feel to it. Um, and I would work overnight sometimes because, uh, well, I mean, I, I had a late shift. I started work at four o'clock in the afternoon, went usually till 11 or, or midnight. Uh, then, you know, I was always the last person out and I'd hit the bars and uh, stay out all night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, sometimes I would work overnight, uh, if there was like a special section coming out or, you know, anything that I needed to get a jump on. And back in those days, I didn't mind pulling all nighters and, uh, you know, I was working one night and I needed to go down to the morgue. So the morgue is just where we call what we called the room where we, uh, you know, where we kept all of our old, you know, issues of paper, mm-hmm. uh, that was down in the basement. The newsroom was up in the uh, the second floor, and then on the first floor you had you know business offices, you had uh, the printing press, and I knew that I wasn't the only person there. You know, it was maybe one or two o'clock at night. There were still people who were back in the printing press. They were printing the paper, uh, so it wasn't that I was like thinking that I was completely alone. Um, but I had to go down to the basement where you have the morgue. And you walk through this long hallway uh, that was just always kind of creepy. Uh, you know, it was always dark. And it was lined with these conference rooms on, you know, on one side of the, the hallway. And they were usually locked. But that night, I walked by one. And it was open. And there was a man who was in that room reading a newspaper. Wow. Uh, everybody else in the in the place would have been wearing blue work coveralls or NASCAR shirts. This guy was wearing black slacks, a white shirt, black suspenders, black tie, and he looked desaturated. He looked like he came out of a 1940s film. Oh, um, it was. And the only way that I can describe seeing him was it, I shouldn't have been seeing him. It, like it felt wrong. Um, there was just a weird feeling in the air and I, you know, I didn't believe in ghosts. I'm not sure if I believe in ghosts now, but I saw this and he was desaturated. He was transparent. And I just got that feeling of, I shouldn't be here. So I just went upstairs. I packed my things and I left. Oh, wow. You know, um, so I might've seen him for only 30 seconds at most. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I didn't tell anyone. You know, I'm a cartoonist. I'm, you know, you know, I, I like fantasy and sci-fi and everybody knows that. And I have a very active imagination. So I decided I'm not going to say anything because if I do, yeah, everyone's going to be, yeah, sure, whatever, you know, you know, hitting the bottle too hard that night. I can identify with this thought process to a T. Just, yeah. we can come back to that because okay. I want to hear the rest of the story, but that's a good point. We'll come back to that. Um, but, you know, I didn't say anything for months and, uh, you know, one day I'm walking into the newsroom for my shift and I, uh, hear these two guys, both named Phil, uh, who were talking and one of them was a sports writer and the other one was a copy editor mm-hmm. and copy editor Phil had been there working overnight to get some extra work done. And he worked in this little cubby hole back in, in, on one side of the newsroom and he came out and he saw a man in white shirt, black slacks, black suspenders, black tie, who looked like he was from a 1940s film standing in the middle of the newsroom and he saw him disappear. Oh. Um, and, you know, I think the way that he described it was, was like, um, you know, in like Lord of the Rings where, you know, you have, you know, Frodo put on the ring and he just like, zaps out of you know existence yeah it just blips out of existence yeah Yeah. and you know he's he's talking about seeing this person in the newsroom and before i could say anything the other phil the sports writer who'd been there for years points to this photo that's on the wall and it was from 1941 and it was the uh i believe was the first staff that used the newsroom when it was built and he points to a guy over in the corner and says oh yeah that guy He's been here forever. Whoa. And I had, you know, I had looked at this photo before, but I hadn't really looked at it until mm-hmm. that moment. And I, I saw that there was that guy, you know, and he was in the corner of that, of that photo. And what was very validating for me was um, these, you know, my two colleagues weren't given to flights of fancy. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were, you know, they were very, you know, like, especially copy editor, Phil, very cut and dry, you know, I mean, you know, he was a copy editor and he would, mm-hmm. you know, um, very factual, very, uh, you know, to the point. So if he saw it and then, you know, Phil, the sports writer had seen it, that gave me some validation that I wasn't nuts, that I had seen something because other people had seen it too. And not only that, pointed him out from a lineup, basically. Yeah. 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 That's a really incredible experience. Had anyone else, did you ever learn of anyone else who had seen him? I I don't know. I I believe that people had seen other things in the building. Um, You would hear doors opening and closing. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. there was this swing gate. Uh, down on the first floor that you would sometimes hear just slam back and forth in the, you know, in the middle of the night. Um, and again, it was, you know, you knew that there were other people in other parts of the building, even late at night, but that was the, you know, the, you know, the little swing door that would lead up to the newsroom mm-hmm. and, you know, nobody's coming up to the newsroom. Right. So, you know, and, you know, and, you know, and unless you have someone who is just like, standing down there opening opening and closing the door and letting it swing and shut i mean that doesn't make sense 
Why would, right. why would someone do that? Um, it's kind of reminiscent of elevator doors that would open and close on a single floor. Yeah. When, and even though it's supposed to be at the bottom of the building, I've investigated places where an elevator would just go to the middle of the building, like sit on like, let's say floor five and just open and close the doors for no reason. Mm-hmm. And even after investigation by people that work on elevators, they're just like, no, there's no reason. It's supposed to call back down to the basement. Right. If no one's calling it. So yeah, that's what it reminds me of. It's a, you know, and, 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 you know, Chillicothe just had that feel, mm-hmm. not just, not, you know, not just the, you know, the, the Gazette, the whole town. So the bar that we used to go to, uh, it was called the Cross Keys, which is, <laughs> are, are you familiar with the Cross Keys? I've heard many stories about the Cross Keys. I have not been there personally yet, though, Jen and Christina, I think we should do a, a little trip out there but yes oh, tell I, us about would, the cross keys I, I would love to go back to the cross keys yeah um you know you, uh, one of the things that would happen every night would be um in the main bar so you had the main bar you had a back bar and then there was a third bar that was um on the second story and you know uh if if you knew the bartender's late at night you know, as they're calling last call and they're you know picking up every you know everything uh like all the chairs and putting them on the on the tables they'd walk around and if they knew you they'd tap you on the shoulder so you mm-hmm. pick up your beer you go to the restaurant next door you wait for a few minutes until the bar shut down and then you'd sit and drink for the rest of the night for free mm-hmm. and without fail there would be times you know almost every night um there'd be a moment where all the lights would flicker and everybody in the bar would shout uh, something like, stop it, George. Because they <laughs> called the poltergeist up in the front bar, George. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if that was his actual name. I think they brought in a psychic at one point who said, this is George. He's a, he's a, friendly, he's a friendly poltergeist. Um, you know, there was one night where I was, it was me, the bartender, and uh, Phil, the sports writer, who identified mm-hmm. the uh, you know the ghost in the in the photo, and it was three or four o'clock in the morning, and we oh, were wow. we're we're sitting at the bar, bars closed. Uh, I think Sports Center was on the TV, and we're just chatting, and the the channel starts changing, channel by channel by channel, just going down one by one by one until it gets to AMC, and there was a monster movie marathon. Ooh, and we kept trying fun. to turn we kept trying to turn the the TV back uh, to sports champ to the sports center, and then it would go down one by one by one. And we did this like three or four times. Um, you know, we even took like the you know the remote or the batteries out of the remotes. Um, at some point, we were just like, "Well, George wants to watch the the monster movie marathon. Ah! I guess that's what we're gonna do." Yeah. Yeah, um, I love it when the spirit does that. It, it's yeah. it's frustrating because you're like, I just want to watch the game. I don't want to watch Creature from the Black Lagoon, but I guess that's what we're doing now. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there was uh, yeah. So you know, in the back bar, there was there was an entity that they called the Child. Um, which that I don't. That sounds I don't, scary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think child. It, I don't think I ever encountered the Child. 
But there was a third section to the bar, which was called the blood room, because when the uh, the psychic came up there, she said that she felt blood running down the walls. I could I could be wrong about that, but they called it the blood room. And nobody knew about this room uh, because they had it walled off. And you had to oh. take a panel off the wall uh, that hit a door. And then you could go upstairs and go into the room. So there was one night where a bunch of us from the newspaper and some other locals were drinking after the bar had closed. Bartender said, you want to go to the blood room? Of course, we all said yes. Uh, she took the panel off the door. We went upstairs. And... It, you know, again, it, you just felt like you shouldn't be there. There was something sort of oppressive in the air. Like, okay, we're here, but we understand why this was closed off. And they closed so, it off be- because there were so many incidents in that room. Huh. Like, is it in the back of the building, not in the front? Like, if no, you're on the second... Well, okay. I haven't been to Cross Keys. I just saw a really quick photo of it. So it looks like it's a two-story... And yeah. there's windows in the front of the second story. Is it in that room that has yeah, windows? It in, yeah, it was okay. in that room with the windows. Yeah. So I don't know huh. if it's been, I mean, I haven't been there in well over a decade. I don't know if that's been opened. But mm-hmm. at the time, they kept it closed and they kept it hidden from the, you know, from the public. Yeah. Do you know, I, this is a random question. Do you know if it ever was a speakeasy during Prohibition? I have, I have no idea. But I know that it's huh. um, it was around before Prohibition. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering if it, it, this is just me having traveled. Um, if maybe the it had a special panel door, the way that you're describing it and how I'm imagining it, it sounds like that's what's a hidden room for a speakeasy. So like if they ever got raided, police would just run past the room and everyone would still have their cocktails sitting in this room but doing it with the windows doesn't seem to make sense so I don't yeah know. i mean it was i mean it was it was a very nice room and it i mean it was set up to be like an event space or a bar mm-hmm. um but yeah it was i mean like you know if you didn't know where to look you wouldn't know that there was a false panel that could be taken off the wall that led to a door that's really interesting yeah like cross keys like its reputation for being haunted precedes itself i learned about it from um, my friend james willis who writes weird ohio in a lot of ghost stories and he's been there a few times and just about the weird experiences i think the ghost um that you said that was on in the first bar downstairs Mm -hmm. that changed the tv i think the legend is that he was shot or stabbed in the alley behind the building or something and now he haunts there forever how close was uh hmm? Oh, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, there yeah. were uh, there were there were very odd deaths that would happen mm-hmm. in Chillicothe. I mean, there was a guy who, from what I remember, it was like he um, spontaneously combusted. Ooh. Um, there were odd. There were odd crimes. There was the, uh, um, you know. Uh, I think it was called the Carlisle building, which was the central building of, like, it was like the landmark building of Chillicothe that mm-hmm. a few months after I got there burned down. Um, right after we had finished the paper, which meant we had to take, we had to stop uh, production of the paper and redo our entire front page. And 
Um, that, was a, that was a bit of a pain. But you mean that, you it, weren't working in the days when they do an evening and a morning edition? No, 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 no. Oh man, that had to, that's a pain. Yeah. Um, you know, but that ended up being like, like a, like a fire official's son who committed that crime. Um, wow. I mean, there were, there were people who were shot with cap and ball guns. Um, it was a, it was, it was a bizarre place. I mean, like, it, you know, like, you know, just it, you, you found all these people found their way there. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a really weird place. But I mean, yeah, as a young 20 something journalist, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an adventure. Yeah. Like I visited there last month, actually, we on the way from Hawking Hills. Yeah. So, and we got to stop off at Mound City, which is the Hopewell culture, mm-hmm. one of the many Hopewell culture uh, national parks that are around there. And uh, um, yeah, it, it just has a very interesting vibe to the entire city. Also yeah. does does not help having two different correctional facilities within spitting distance. <laughs> and <laughs> you're like, tr- oh, okay. And those facilities were also used as POW camps in both world wars. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, they, I, they would, I did they know Mount over, City. Hmm? Yeah, they, yeah, they would bring over, um, yeah, I think it was called Camp Etna. I could, be, I could be wrong about that. But yeah, they brought over um, prisoners of war for uh, during both world wars. Oh, wow. Did not know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Learn something new. Get ghost stories and history. I love this. So uh, actually, earlier when you were talking about basically how credible is someone who is both a cartoonist and also saw the paranormal, and can you believe what you're seeing? And that was a fascinating thing I've never seen or heard anyone else bring up because that's something I struggle with. I don't know, Christina and Jen, if you struggle with it either. Maybe we can make this a roundtable discussion because it's an interesting topic. So freak you out like late at night. Do you ever think about it? And you just like get goosebumps. Like, I feel like I would have a panic attack if I would start like really going down that wormhole. Like, I don't understand what this is. This is going right. to break my brain. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, there have, you know, I mean, there have been times where I've, I have wrestled with what I saw and, you know, I mean, it's one thing to, you know, to have been at the cross keys and to have seen the lights flicker on and off and have seen the TV, you know, get all kind of weird or to go up into this room and feel an oppressive air. It's something else to see a a full man um, Mm -hmm. that doesn't look like he should be there. Um, and I wish I had, you know, I wish I had better writing experience and, you know, uh, better writing training so I could say something other than, you know, I, he just didn't look like he should be there. Um, it was, yeah, it's still one of the most singular experiences I've ever had in my life. Yeah. But the way that you describe running into it, just the shock of seeing whomever you were seeing is exactly how others have described running into ghosts. 
because you never like like you don't ever expect to run into them they don't come on call (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it it, they always surprise whomever the witness was and just just saying i didn't feel like i should be watching or seeing this person but yet here they are. I, I love how he presents himself as this kind of 1940s film because within his own context, that's maybe how he sees ghosts. Like that's film for him at the time, uh, which is an interesting little note for context. Um, reading you, the newspaper. Hmm? I have a question. Hmm, go Do right you- ahead. Do you think, Kevin, if it had happened during the day and there were other people around that you would have would have questioned it as much? Or I mean, do ghosts come they are do they show themselves in groups of people? I don't know. Um no. I you know, I mean I I I wish I'd I'd been there with someone else. No. Um and I, you know, I, I don't know because, you know, there's, there's still that other question, you know, part of me that questions, what did I see? Because I know that there were other people in the building uh, mm-hmm. with me at the time. And I think, you know, I think I would have, I think I might've felt more certain about what I've seen or what I had seen had I known that I had been completely alone, mm-hmm. but there were still, you know, maybe up to a dozen other people in the building with me at that time working on the presses and, you know, I'm very close to where, like, I was essentially just underneath where the printing plant was. Okay. Um, so, but I also, you know, I mean, I was the design editor, so I knew all those people. I, you know, I, I knew mm-hmm. them by you know, their first names. And, you know, not it just I, didn't I, fit. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you know, I mean, you've, you know, you've seen people in printing you know, plants. I mean, they're wearing their coveralls. Um, yeah. And this is it's also, a messy job. Yeah, it's a very messy job. And then this is also Chillicothe. And I'm I'm not trying to stereotype, but, you know, very rural, very, you know, it's a very red area. A lot of people wearing NASCAR shirts and, you know, beer shirts. And, you know, that's what you, you know, that's what you had. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people were not dressing up to the nines to work in the printing press because you're going to get smudgy and you know messy and um and again as the design editor you know it was my job to get to know all these people and to befriend them and you know so it was also like i, I didn't know who this person was um, yeah you're not gonna get a random person in there that late at yeah. night Mm-mm. yeah uh so it was just everything and you know and when i you know and in my in my mind's eye he you know i know he was desaturated you know, and the, you know, the cut of his clothes was just very 1940s, you know, the high-waisted slacks, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, so, you know, I think in my mind, I associate his desaturation with, you know, with an old film, because that's the way that my mind is kind of like connecting those dots. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But you got but, a good look at him because you describe him really well and yeah. consistently. Yeah. Uh, no, I have an image in my head. I mean, it probably does obviously doesn't match yours, but I could like I can almost see him sitting there at the table reading a paper. Was it yeah. a huge paper? Was it like this big? 
<laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, it was it was it was a copy of the Chillicothe Gazette. Okay, of a um, current it, one. Of a current one. Oh, a so he's one. sitting okay. there critiquing all of your yeah. work. Oh my god, that's great! I mean, like that's I remember a that there was ghost. There was a there was a stack of papers, you know, and he was he was reading one of the one of the issues, and I don't know how how recent the issue was, but I mean, it was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, uh, have you seen any other paranormal, or had any other paranormal experiences? I, I don't know if you would call them paranormal, but I do, I do recall. <clears throat> Peter Natural, out of the ordinary. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I, I, I worked in Chillicothe from 2003 to 2004. And in 2004, and uh, I was being uh, sent out to the, uh, the Palm Springs Desert Sun. So it's a sister paper to the Gazette and to the Enquirer. And I was taking over as an art director out there. But I was very conflicted about, um, about whether or not I really wanted to go because I was having, you know, just everyone was in their 20s or early 30s we were having fun it was like being back at a college newspaper again mm-hmm. um, and here I was being asked to you know to go across the country uh, be on my own and uh, you know to have more responsibilities and uh, yeah that was a lot to think about you know, at the age of 25 you know, like I would have a staff under me that's oh I wow expecting that yeah yeah um, so you know, as I was making those decisions, I started hearing this voice. I thought I was hallucinating. And you know, it was a woman's voice that was, uh, you know, that would say in this very, um, it, was, it was always the same. It was, what are you doing? Like it had that, that like questioning inflection at the end. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and it got so bad where I would hear it and I would look around and ask, I, I did. I, I asked people, like my friends, like, did you hear that? And no one did. Hmm. Um, so, you know, fast forward a couple of months, I'm in California. I'm, you know, I've started meeting people, you know, in town. I'm about to go on a date. You know, and I, and I call, you know, the, you know, the phone of, you know, the person that I was going out, out on a date with. But instead of her picking up, one of her friends picked up. And, you know, and she answered the phone. What are you doing? And it was that voice. <gasps> Whoa. And I dropped the phone. It was so, it, you know, like it was just, it was, oh, it, oh it's, it still gives me, you know, goosebumps. Oh, that's chilling. Yeah. Well, that is weird. Oh, that goes back to our deja vu episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a. You had an auditory premonition. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, I've so had. So did you go of, on the date? I did. Um, it it never really worked out. But <laughs> like I, but you know, like that the person who said, "What are you doing on the phone?" She and I became friends, and so we would hang out oh. a lot. Wow. Um, that was yeah. That was very. That was very odd. Um, I've had a couple of other things like that. You know. Uh, wow. You know waking up with a song in my head and whistling it 
the entire you know the entire morning and getting my, in my car and you know my whistling syncs up with what's on the radio and mm-hmm. oh um, so that that either seems like it could work with virtual reality theory or mm-hmm. like multiverse theory you know like either of those things because i often wonder like seeing stuff like like the ghost that you described at the chillicothe gazette almost feels like an echo or something like that too mm-hmm. like like where in you know perhaps there's echoes of things that happen there that are that are embedded i mean because of our poor understanding really of time and space there could be a lot more going on i mean imagine you know there was a time before we had radios and tvs and so the idea of stuff being broadcast was very alien until we had things broadcast you know so there's could be more to that maybe there's uh some sort of multi-dimensional echo that goes through and, and you can sometimes sense it I mean, there's so little that we expect that there's so little of the universe that we experience. It's it's really hard to say how we're taking it in. Well, if we yeah. are if we are a simulation, I think we need to be rebooted. <laughs> um, Maybe we're just playing the game really badly. Ah, uh, you need some cheat codes. Though yeah, I do yeah. like to think that we're in the MCU. That that would be fun. Um, but I actually, like your experience. Of cheat codes. Yeah, the cheat codes. That'd be we just like a Sims game. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just thinking of a nerd. I play a lot of The Sims and I'm just thinking of the cheat codes and I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be helpful. Um, <laughs> actually, your accounts are very similar to ones I've heard at Gettysburg College um, with the interesting layering of reality going on. It goes right back to our kind of multi-universe universe theory so there's a famous besides the boy in blue that has been seen or the blue boy that's been seen there there's a very well-recorded account of a woman going to the basement of gettysburg college and the elevator door is opening and she's there in real time but the basement is a triage for the civil war and she sees people getting limbs amputated and she can smell it she can hear it it's the full sensory experience and then she closes the doors opens them again and they're all gone and it's the it's standard offices which is what that basement was used for in contemporary times and it's a just you running into kevin that little crack in i don't want to say reality but the universe laying its like yeah, uh, like timelines on itself yeah, like kind of like what christina was saying like you know what we you know can see and what we can you know what we perceive but uh kevin i think you might be tapped into just a different frequency than everybody else because <laughs> the syncing up with the like the song in your head and having mm-hmm. it sync up with what's on the radio that's truly fascinating i don't i don't know if i could handle that if I, that happened to me i mean like and i i don't know why but like these these things happen to me you know, like in my early to mid twenties, and then they've really, they've stopped. Uh, there's there was a dorkier one, and um, God, this is so this is so stupid. Please share. 
so I was, you know, this, and this is back in the day when like, you know, you still have like the, like the TV guide channel things, you know, that would just like scroll up and, you know, show you what was yeah. on TV. Um, so I was sitting in my living room in Palm Springs and I was trying to find something to watch. And I saw that and, you know, and I saw scrolling up, there was an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And in my head, I said, oh, that's going to be the, uh, the musical episode, which I had not yet seen. And lo and behold, I turned it on and it was like, there was no description or anything. It was just a voice in my head or a premonition that that's just said, oh, you're going to watch the, uh, the, the Buffy musical episode. Well, maybe wow. they, which maybe is so you dumb. Were, earlier you was getting some cheat codes and maybe older maybe. you isn't getting the cheat codes anymore guess, well man, do you that's... get ever ever like so clearly you're getting premonitions from somewhere because that's more than one experience with premonitions and do you ever like sense when you're like driving and normally you would I guess pre-COVID times, um, you'd be driving a normal route and you're like, maybe I'll turn left instead of right this time because you just felt like one direction wasn't safe. Did you, do you ever get little? No, actually I'm terrible with directions. Um, well, this is just an example. Uh, yeah, like you know, uh, choosing no. one option over what you normally would go with because for some reason it doesn't feel yeah. quite right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I mean, I know that I've had those experiences um you know being in the right place at the right time for something mm -hmm. yeah you know, yeah um yeah but, kevin i think you got the cheat codes for the universe going on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must have lost them yeah uh yeah. you know boy i would like to have those cheat codes back yeah <laughs> i think everybody would like to have them yeah yeah <laughs> But, so you know yeah you know, oh, oh please no i was gonna say going back to you saying that you've kind of lost it and it was more like in your 20s and they say like if there's a poltergeist or an entity in the house that it tends to happen around children that are just starting puberty or going through pu puberty i was so a I late wonder... bloomer yes well no that's not saying, Jen, where are you going with this <laughs> no, it's, i was thinking like it's more the young energy because when you're young you're really vibrant with life i don't know <laughs> sorry sorry to tell you this kevin <laughs> oh i've known i am old and not vibrant at all <laughs> but you're you're learning about the world <laughs> and you're figuring stuff out so it's more like my voice was changing. I was getting hair in very odd places. Um, and then you were you were predicting the TV guide. I yeah, mean, it all I mean, makes I was, sense now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that I, you know, when you when you think about picking up songs like that and, and maybe broadcasts kind of like that, one wonders if there's something like chemical, perhaps in the brain or something that I mean tunes into something. I mean, when you think about how synapses work and the brain works and how it is kind mm -hmm. of a tuner in its own way, um, perhaps that's how you, sometimes you can capture other things, Yeah, you know, and, I mean, and sometimes being sensitive to the paranormal, we've had many mediums and of course, Kat also um, is sensitive and um, is a medium. Maybe your brain is able to tune into something that other brains can't. 
uh, you know, and I'm, I've probably destroyed all of those, uh, you know, all those pathways in my brain um, after many years of journalism and uh, mm -hmm. other things. You know, other things. <laughs> um, well, you just, just have a healthy <laughs> questioning of what you're seeing, which yeah. is never a bad thing. Mm -mm. Um, oh. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, I've seen, I've seen and experienced, experienced things, you know, in my life that I've never, you know, there, um, you know, I, like, one of the, one of the first times that I remember something like that happening was uh, on a lark, my mom and I went to, and this is when I was in high school, my mom and I went to uh, the uh, the psychic fair that they have at in Sharonville. Oh yes, you know, yes, um, yeah. It's a victory of light. Yeah, and we went in. We were not taking it very seriously. We sat down to a you know a tarot reading, and the um, you know the person doing the reading started like flipping over cards, and you could just see her face getting very white. And very drawn out and she flipped over the death card and she's like well you know death doesn't really mean death it mm -hmm. just means a, a change but she started asking questions about whether you know my grandfather was still alive and how he was doing and she's like something's going to happen like in the next couple of days something's going to happen whoa um and the next day we went to my grandparents and my grandfather was sitting around clutching his chest Hmm. Um, you know, and you know, he said that you know he wasn't going to tell anyone, but you know he'd been having chest pains, and we sussed it out that you know he had been doing some yard work and he was trimming the tree and he'd pulled a muscle on his chest. The next day, he was out for a walk with my grandmother and fell down having a stroke. Oh. Um, you know, and was near death for about a week. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, you know, I mean, I, you know, it could have been coincidence um, that, yeah, that happened. But you know, again, that's was he know, did did he was he okay after? Did he ever recover? Yeah, he recovered. Okay, um, took a little and, while. You know. Yeah. Well, strokes I mean, aren't something you just like jump out of bed and you're like, yeah. I'm okay. It's uh, yeah, they take yeah. a little bit, but I, I'm glad <laughs> to hear that he recovered. Yeah, that's interesting about the tarot card reader, though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so that's again, a hard it, one to not believe in you know what i mean like you could say it's a qu coincidence but that's a strong that's a strong one it's a coincidence right. like tarot cards as because we did that episode earlier this year about them you can interpret them there's a broad interpretation of each card mm -hmm. and it, it's yeah even i i'm sitting here going did she cold read you like or was it a actually i think that's a hot read if she's actually directly asking you questions yeah she started so asking just, you know and, and it was yeah. very pointed it was very like you know who is the oldest member of your family who is the oldest male member what what health problems does he have something's going mm. you know and it was yeah it was, it was her very pointedly saying something was going to happen and yeah you know, i mean i've seen psychics before and it's always very very vague or very mm. you know like kind of what you want to hear um yeah some of them can be that way <laughs> and this was this was very much something's going to happen very soon in the next couple of days check on him make sure he's okay 
and within oh, wow. like two or three days, he has a, a massive grand mal stroke. Wow. Well, it could yeah. be one of those things where she was already sensitive and was able to read and just uses the tarot cards as sort of a. Um, yeah. What would yeah. you describe it as sort of a. a like a she's using to, them to uh, as, confirm things yes. that she's already feeling. So she's pulling mm-hmm. the cards and, and then that just gives her a little bit of a confidence boost. It's like with me and the flashlights. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. sounds weird out of context, but um, we, we went it, on it, our first ghost hunt a couple weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And I was talking to dead people. And so that everyone else could participate in the conversation. I had them flashing flashlights and uh, at, at the same time, just kind of mm-hmm. going, is there something here or am I talking to? air in front of 10 people i i don't know but yeah it's just a way of kind of i don't want to say how do i say it um building your confidence so that you know your reading is a little bit more on point but because you can accidentally read on something completely wrong oh i mean and she did like i mean i think she told me that i was going to end up in australia as a photographer oh, oh no. um, well there's probably still time for that i mean th- well yeah, yeah there is I mean, who knows um mm. yeah you know uh, maybe maybe there was just an australian photographer around you and she just, yeah you know well i mean what, I, I, did what's hear, interesting- I did hear someone behind me say you know good day mate and you know start <laughs> swearing and um you just barbies and yeah, shrimp yeah. on them <laughs> uh That's not no yeah. That's nice. nice. <laughs> um, no, but the interesting thing is it ends up becoming a question of the chicken versus the egg is because yeah. she mentioned your grandpa, then you are honing in on him so that when yeah. he did have a stroke, you guys were paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It probably all around. saved his life. It probably it, well, it, you know, it, it might, is interesting it might have. Because, you know. Mm-hmm when you study like say things like quantum theory and 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 the nature of the universe they say time might not even be linear you know you might be kind of viewing it um and things might have already happened we don't really know how people are taking things in and and that's why it's interesting to hear of these different unusual experiences that people have mm-hmm. um and and perhaps um there is a lot of um thing there's a lot of things that are unseen that perhaps people tune in on um you know not just and maybe ghost is not even the right word was one of the illustrators that listens to our show said uh, he was okay with ghosts but when cats started talking about other entities he was like oh no (laughs) (laughs) yeah I, I seem to freak out some of our listeners, which yeah, yeah, exactly. both saddens and yet delights me. I don't <laughs> and know. Me. How to... she, you freak me out too. No, <laughs> in, no, in the uh, no, in the terrible. Your doppelganger story scared the out of me. Story is the scariest thing. And with the night setting on my phone, it takes multiple images, I think, and then condenses them down to one. So it could be a multiple exposure thing. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what the green squiggle is. Like this weekend, I took some pictures of um, sequins in, a, in the swimming pool. It was in a raft. And it, when the light, when the sun hit it just right, it, I had that same kind of green color mm-hmm. on the phone mm-hmm. or on the photo. So I'm not, 
I'm not exactly sure what the green squiggle is, but yeah, lens flares yeah. can really, especially if you have a not great lens. Yeah, really dirty s- lenses yeah. mm-hmm. will really mess up your yeah your photo. Well, that, that so, was yeah. the thing we. Oh, go on first. Well, so I mean, so you know, this is you know, I, I think cat, you know, your you know, something you know, you brought up was you know, there, you know, there's a, you know, a lot of people are looking to make sure that you know you're disproving, and I think, but I think we all have sort of a confirmation bias, which is we want to see these things. We mm-hmm. want to see the ghost because it's more exciting to know that the ghost is there. Um, you know, we want to see the UFO and we want to, you know, we want that to be an alien spaceship. Um, <laughs> except you know, for Jen. Except for Jen. Mm-mm. Nope. Um, see, never, that's ever, the really depressing no. thing. Cause if I really want to see this stuff, how come I never see anything? I just have a particularly dense brain, I think. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, I don't know but, how to answer it. Yeah. That's a good question, though. It is. Why, why is it that Christina, who wants to see things, doesn't get to see anything? But I know people who don't want to see any of it, and yet talk about seeing ghosts in the graveyard and and just being spooked wherever they go. Mm-hmm. But so. also, are you seeking it out or are you not? Because like sometimes, mm-hmm. if you like ask someone a point blank question, they're not going to answer it truthfully and unless or you're just you ask the same question but you're just having a conversation over a beer they'll give you the honest answer Mm -hmm. so like kevin wasn't looking to go see some creepy dude from the 40s reading the paper and critiquing his work in the basement (laughs) so i like i don't know i mean you weren't asking to see a doppelganger that night no that was not what we were expected (laughs) expecting to see at all and yet in a well-lit room there she was yeah yeah i i I think that that it's i I think it's complicated i think like i said there's a lot that we you know don't really understand and and that's what Mm -hmm. makes this all seem very ambiguous um i wanted to ask about the blood room um did you feel did you feel something weird in there it was just it it was kind of the generic the air felt heavy you know that you know and whether you know you've seen you know ghost hunting shows or you know read about it you know there's you know sometimes they will say like the atmosphere just feels dense and it felt oppressive it was um I guess a good way of describing it is like, you know, like on one of our really humid days and you walk outside mm-hmm. and you just feel all the air pressure and all and everything just kind of weighing you down. And I've, and there just got to be that feeling in that room. There was like, oh, this is, it just feels different up here. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and it, you know, and I, and that caused all of us to be uh, kind of agitated because we could feel that it was different. And, you know, it could be that, you know, I mean, we are going, you know, it's very late at night slash early in the morning. We're going into a room that we have heard was called the blood room. We, you know, I will be honest, we were, we were having beers and we were going to a place that we knew was, you know, blocked off from everything. So, you've already got that kind of you know, up, expectation yeah. that you're, that you're going in there. But I mean, I've also gone to other places that are supposedly haunted and I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, whatever. You know, I mean, this is mm-hmm. 
this is nothing. Well, it um, kind of reminds me of what Pat described when we were at the Doty barn, that they were talking to a disturbed spirit mm-hmm. and Kat picked it up immediately. Yeah, it, it's so that kind of thick, tense atmosphere is mm-hmm. a place that I've run into a lot with investigations and it can be anywhere like bars, um, the barn, the se- second story of the barn. Um, I got it definitely at Sadamsville. Oddly, only on one half of the house and not the other. And I will say, as investigators, when we go in, that's when we do bring out our EMF detectors, because sometimes that weird EMF will give you that paranoid sense that something is watching you or it feels really heavy and out of place. But if your wiring is sound and you have no weird sound system going on, then there's no way to really describe or not describe to explain why you're feeling this intense right i thickness almost and yeah and it could be the a presence like at a doty homestead there was the very chatty 20 something year old that we talked about on that episode uh ghost actually a few male ghosts were there um you get it too at mansfield reformatory um it can feel very, I don't want to call it oppressive, but like suddenly there's a bunch of people in the room with you and it's hard to breathe. That kind of feeling sometimes. Yeah. Or feeling like you're being watched. That also is closely associated. Cold spots also get associated with these feelings as well. Yeah. yeah one so. thing that's happened since I've been doing this show is people walk up to you a lot and say, well, you know, I just talked to someone that saw a person just walk into their bathroom and then disappear or whatever. And it seems like people experience this stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. It's hard yeah. to say yeah. what it is. Is it something in your mind? Is it something that's real? What is real? <laughs> yeah. It's one of the things I have to say with uh, the universal field theory is only either psychologists or physicists are going to figure out exactly what's going on it's either all in our brain or it's all on this larger scope and and so psychic mediums are fun to talk to but in reality it's going to be the psychologists that figure it out hmm. Hmm. so on, i mean yeah i mean i you know i would love to go on a ghost you know ghost hunt at some point because, you know, you know, once you've, you know, like, I've seen it, I want to mm-hmm. see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, I mean, maybe we can get that arranged. We're starting to meet people that could make that more of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more like of a possibility. Because you know, um, like one of the things that I, you know, that uh, I can compare it to was seeing uh, the eclipse several years ago. And, yeah, we went down to Nashville and we saw the full eclipse Ooh. and that broke my brain. It was just, you know, just like looking up into, you know, at the sun, but the sun wasn't there. It was just a spot blacker than I've ever seen, you know, mm-hmm. with, you know, fire coming out and stars. And um, I want to see that again. I can't wait to see that again. I think the uh, coolest thing about that is how the, um, before when it's like half covered how you see the um you know slices like you know how usually Mm -hmm. you see light dappled light is the shape of the sun and then it's all crescents yeah and i think that looks really cool oh it was was, yeah it was amazing 
we're due for one here, aren't we? Like in a 2024. Total... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, right. it'll. So yeah, we'll have to go up to like around Dayton to see. Okay. The, yeah. Which is a lot better than going to Nashville. You mean oh, we yeah. have to go to Wright <laughs> Pat to see the eclipse? Yeah. Yeah, that, that has all sorts of interesting implications. Oh, we're going to see the UFOs. It's, be, it's more convenient to go to Dayton. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Wow, we're going to get the Olympics and the solar, or, yeah, solar eclipse at the same time. So, yeah. um, you know, what, what, have you ever experienced any feelings associated to creating and doing artwork? Um, I know that's a weird question. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, no, I mean, I, I, mean I feel is, dread is when like I'm, you know, working. People, I they, feel anxiety. No, like having I mean, a muse. Are, yeah, a, a muse is the best way. Like, when you come up with stories or, or tales or whatever, do you ever feel like they come from some sort of muse or something like that? Is that a weird question? That's a weird question. I, well, I like, if, oh, no, just please. like images that pop into your head and you're like, mm-hmm. I have to draw that or I have to create that. Mm-hmm. um occasionally i mean i think um and i think this is just my my current workload i'm so you know i've i've been so bogged down by you know by uh trying to get a bunch of freelance jobs done that i really haven't been open to creativity that much you know and, and to mm-hmm. my own creativity um you know and i think that's just you know, a side effect of work. And then, you know, the last year and a half, you know, has, I don't know about you guys, but it's been a little rough psychically, Hmm. mentally. Um, It's been tough. I feel Uh, like I'm in a rock tumbler. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there are times where I've, you know, like I've had an image pop into my head and I, you know, I want to translate it. I more often than not, I'm not, that good an artist to actually translate what I see in my head into, you know, into paper, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I've always kind of described where I get my ideas, just being open to the world around me, or uh, in some cases, just really being in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, and seeing something that I know would be a good story and just trying to seize upon it at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what would be your dream art project? Boy, that's always a hard question to ask someone because it's like the agony of choice. That's kind a good like question. When I give, well, when I give my students an assignment and say do whatever you want, they're they're paralyzed. You can't. It was a really yeah. tough thing to tell someone to draw what you want because it's like, well, what do I want? What do I want to draw right. first? Um, you know, I I have. You know, I know that eventually I would like to get into doing more like long form narrative stories. Um, you know, I've got some some comics ideas that I would love to just do nothing but work on these comics. Um, I think children's books would be a lot of fun. You know, I've mm-hmm. done one. I would love to do more. Uh, you know, I, I I think that's kind of what I would what I would like to do. I'd like to tell some stories. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to tell some, I've gotten to tell some great stories uh, that were, that are nonfiction. Uh, I think I would like to tell uh, some stories that are, that are fiction uh, and maybe some things that are a little bit more personal and not mm-hmm. other people's stories. 
mm-hmm. and do I've that always, through graphic novels. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to do, and I'll, I've always wanted to do, and I've not been able to put it together yet, but a bug in everybody's ear. Um, I've always wanted to do a comic like anthology. in Star Trek Two, where <laughs> exactly, know, they, yeah. exactly like that. Uh, you know, con, of course. Um, I've always wanted to do a comic anthology because we always talk about, well, what do we want the future? I mean, we see a lot of, you know, in there's so much, and we've talked about this before, dystopian porn. Like everything's about mm. like what happens when everything collapses. But what happens if we figure it out? Like, I'd love to see some science fiction that's actually, and I have actually talked about this before, but I'd like to see an anthology or put one together that's like positive future. Like, what are we striving for? What does a better world look like? I think we can title it Roddenberry. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> my, my own personal Roddenberry. That's the name well, of the you, anthology. You know, what's yeah. interesting is like you, you listen to, uh, you know, the people who are, you know producing and acting in star trek right now and they say that they say that which is they are they're doing this because you know you know uh especially now because you know star trek originally came out in the 1960s and you had Vietnam war and civil rights and and nixon and you needed that that you know that spark of optimism to say you know things are going to get better there's going to be unity and you listen to people talk about star trek now and they're saying the same thing that you know they feel like they're trying to present that better future that is out there um and what's interesting is like you know they're even showing that you know the world of star trek now i mean there's a lot of cynicism in star trek i don't know if you've watched yeah the the latest picard my husband and i were just like well this one feels like a star trekky episode and then the end of it we're like ah yeah yeah the lower decks really feels like it though yeah yeah you know and you know the talk you know the way that they've been talking about uh strange new worlds you know getting Mm -hmm. back to that like really going back to like the 1960s aesthetic and and you know style of storytelling um but you know uh, you know but you know to your point christina I, i think it's very hard to you know to, to work up that optimism um, mm-hmm. well right and, and, and it, it, the other thing is when you're writing optimistic future one person's opt you know happy future could be somebody else's tyrannical future right. you know like and that and so what do you do where like it has that happy medium where there's there's more equality and it seems like the, the technology is not destroying everything like how do you get to that how do you write a story that fits that? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, it's more complicated. It's much easier to just say everything gets destroyed. Yeah, I mean, that is you really know, easy. Most, and, and I think part of it is, is probably, you know, getting philosophical. Um, a lot of uh, biblical writing is based on apop- apocalyptic notions. Like that's the whole point of the Bible is the world's ending. And so mm-hmm. people get hooked up on that. Like they love it. And it's, it's great storytelling because it's high drama. It's so well, pessimistic I mean, though. But, but you can't but have the good without the bad. So you need mm-hmm. a little bit of bad to keep you good. You know, mm-hmm. you got to find that, that middle ground where it's just threatened enough mm-hmm. that the good will always win. Because mm-hmm. that's, 
as much as I like to say I'm a pessimist, I always love it when the good guys win, right? <laughs> like in any story, oh, yeah. even like, I, and I've mentioned Breaking Bad before, but even like with uh, Walter White or Better Call Saul, like they're terrible people, but within the world, you want them to win for mm-hmm. whatever stupid reason that is. But I'm not sure. <laughs> stories. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't well, know. Yes. They say, yeah. I think that they're kind of a dark few. <laughs> Breaking Bad. What what is the joke? What is the meme that was going around where they said if he had been in Europe, he would have just gotten his cancer cured, <laughs> like no story. <laughs> he just yeah. gone to the doctor, gotten his treatment, and been like, oh okay, yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of frightening to think about. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean, but you know, to your point, Jen, I think so. I mean, that's why the Marvel movies are so popular. I mean, like you know and they're not breaking any new ground you mm-hmm. you know you, you're, you're going because you need, you need that especially now you need that little bit of you know you, know, you need you need the good guys to win yeah um, mm-hmm. yeah know. and i think that's what brings the hope right yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah. you know you know you need you need luke skywalker rescuing baby yoda you need those oh. you need mm-hmm. those things you need um you know, I mean, and that's why I think, you know, we're gravitating, we, we still gravitate towards a lot of that kind of fiction um, because it's, it's escapism. Like my, mm-hmm. you know, my wife does not go into escapism at all, mm-hmm. but she is not, you know, you know, unlike me, she's, you know, she is not spending all of her time looking at the news and thinking about the news and processing the news and trying to squirt the news out into a stupid, you know, editorial cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then like, you know, I am, and at the end of the day, I want to go and I want to watch Lower Decks because it's goofy and dumb, but it's also bright and happy and optimistic about the future. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the good guys are coming out on top. Mm-hmm. If the new season comes soon. Yay. This week. Pretty soon. Yeah, this week. I mean, this so week. tell me what Lower Decks, what is this? Is this a Star oh, Trek thing? It is. Okay. It's animated. It, okay. It's animated. Okay. It's on Amazon Prime, I believe. And Paramount and Plus. It, and, and Paramount Plus. Yeah. And uh, um, it tells the story of all the people that work on the uh, starships, but on the Lower Decks. That you never really interact with. Oh, exactly. Or on, yeah. on a normal show. It's kind okay. of, it's kind of yeah. a red dwarf vibe, which is a very also red dwarf. I yeah. mean, when I've been great. a red dwarf okay. fan since the since the red dwarf yeah. episodes first came out. But yeah, and yes, that, yes, that was yes. actually the whole premise of that story is is the guy is the worst person on the ship and survives with his cat who evolves into like a humanoid. Oh my goodness. But like, <laughs> yeah. they're, but like they're you know, like they're still good Starfleet officers. And yeah. In fact, they are like they're uber, they're Star Trek nerds. Like they mm-hmm. know this, you know, because like they will bring up like, you know, Khan did this or mm-hmm. you know, okay, shouldn't yeah, you know, shouldn't the Enterprise be you know be handling this or something mm-hmm. like that? Well, you know, yeah. so so really, actually, my comparison of Red Dwarf, while somewhat accurate, actually, what Lower Decks is more like is Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah. <laughs> the mm-hmm. story told from the non-protagonist's point of view mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah see so good it's good stories it's highly recommended that's awesome yeah <laughs> okay yeah i think I will, there was i'm a, gonna watch it 
I think there's a Marvel series and I can't remember it. And I know somebody who's listening to this is probably now screaming at their device of choice that it's <laughs> all about the cleanup crew that yeah. after the Marvel superheroes yeah. and villains have done their tussle, it's it's all about it may even be called cleanup crew. I, think I don't it's like know. damage control or yeah, anything. damage can that may be it. And it's cat butt. And sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. We we all have she she just had to be <laughs> it's not um, cat, but this series is interesting. <laughs> but I just look at the screen and there's this tail. Um it's not yeah. as bad as a couple <laughs> weeks ago. No. Starfish. No. Full oh <laughs> we had we had animal. Hi there, Starro the Conqueror, making your appearance <laughs> on so the I'm, show. I'm guessing I'm guessing everyone has seen that. Yes, yes. So but, but not that we want to give people spoilers. No, but uh anyway so moving on to a completely different topic because i'm dying to know this kevin what's your favorite chili joint in all of cincinnati oh boy bonus points if it's haunted as well (laughs) (laughs) um you know i i really do love the ludlow skyline the ludlow skyline or the, the clifton skyline on ludlow um Sometimes the one that was on the Simpsons. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where oh they god, they drew the chili just, wrong. They, they they got every other detail of the city right, and they drew the chili wrong. Mm-hmm. I'll bet they'll change it. I'll bet when you see it in reruns, they'll. What have was fixed. wrong about it? I didn't notice. It was bowls. Uh, it was like a bowl of chili. Alert. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It wasn't a three-way or whatever. It was a mm-hmm. bowl of chili. Okay. Oh. Um, that feels like a B team blunder. Yeah. Anyway, so um, Ludlow Skyline is great. Yeah, uh, I love Camp Washington Chili. Um, so a, a couple of years ago, I went on uh, the we called it the Chili Trail, mm-hmm. and this is when I worked at uh, Channel Nine, and we started at ten thirty in the morning, me and several of the people, and we went to nine different because everything everything had to be nine because of Channel Nine. Right. So we went to nine different chili places that oh, day. Wow. wow. I hope you had the next day off to recover. Next oh, day boy. was the Pepto Bismol trail, or at least was, a fan. We we <laughs> were we were getting trail. the meat sweats by <laughs> by the time that we we hit halfway, and it wow. was it was it was a challenge, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay, Chad? <laughs> yes. sweats. I never thought about getting meat sweats from chili, but after halfway through, yeah, I can see yeah. why. So there were there were five of us, and we would we would each split a small three-way and a cheese coney, which doesn't seem like a lot when you're just starting out, but you go to nine different places. Oh, and by the time we hit by the time we hit like the third or fourth place. The staff was waiting for us. People were following us on social media. Wow. Yeah, like, did you complete like all day, nine? Though. Yeah, we, we went all nine. So we went wow. to, uh, we started at the Empress Chili in Alexandria, Kentucky, went to the Gold Star in Newport. Uh, we went to Newport Chili, Dixie Chili, Price Hill Chili, Camp Washington, Skyline, Pleasant. Pleasant Ridge Chili and Blue Ash Chili. Wow. 
That is quite a tour through the city. Yeah. Whew. Gosh. I've it only was... been to Blue Ash. Well, on Skyline. Chili. I've only done one Skyline, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So what? I've been meaning to do Camp Washington, though. I hear very good things about them. I, I really like Camp Washington. I actually personally really like Empress Chili. I think I really like the... I mean, I like Skyline, too, but um, Empress is, is, is Emp- about the same Empress the one over by the neon sign museum uh what's the one that's, that's camp right washington. in that that's, area that's camp washington. Camp washington. Yeah, washington. okay but, but so empress uh so one of the one of the comics that i did um was the history of cincinnati chile mm-hmm. and i uh so there's a book out uh by a uh in, you know former engineer named dan wollert uh where he goes into the history of cincinnati chile and i i told him for years that I'd wanted to take the first chapter where the Karata Jeff brothers come over from Greece and set up their chili shop or the ch- their first chili parlor. I, I was like, I want to do that either as a documentary or as a comic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw him at one year, I saw him at Bachfest and we'd both had a couple of drinks. I was like, you know, I went over and like, I'm going to, you're my next project. And he's like, all right, let's do it. Uh, so that got, that was on, uh, I did that for channel nine. Uh, and yeah, but, you know, I went into the history of, you know, how Chile got started. So, uh, over where we had the main branch of the library, uh, downtown, that used to be the, uh, the Empress burlesque. So you would have, um, you know, and so after, you know, people, you know, got out from seeing the nudie show, they wanted something to eat. And by the, in a, in chili, a, chili was just what they wanted, but it's not chili. Well, you know, so you true. have so so you have um, so you have these two guys, the Karadijev brothers, who came over from Greece right after the, the Second World War, uh, because there was a Greek community here in Cincinnati, and they they opened up this parlor next to Empress, and they called themselves the Empress Chili Parlor. They were serving what's called salsa kima or kima salts, I forget what it's called but it's a traditional greek meat sauce Mm -hmm. you put it over you put it over um, a pasta and then you have cheese on top and they were using making that but with local ingredients and they couldn't call it salsa kima because they wanted to you know to get to impress the customers and they wanted to sound american well what sounds american chili Mm -hmm. that's why they called it chili it's a it was a marketing campaign Mm -hmm. oh wow Um, yeah, and they called it a chili parlor because you didn't have formal dining. It was just a little, uh, you know, a, you know, a, a counter with some stools that you know you, you finished. You know. Yeah, just like an ice cream parlor. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. So you, you know, and they were serving conies. So you know, you finish seeing your boobies, and then you go get your wieners. More, <laughs> you know, I love to talk about you know Cincinnati history. Um, you know, whether it was, you know, it's chili or I, you know, I did a, uh, you know, a comic on the history of the, the observatory. Yeah. I saw that one. That was really fun. You know, I, you know, I love doing that because, you know, so many things happened here mm-hmm. in Cincinnati. Um, yeah. That I think, you know, you could fill, you know, tons of books and graphic novels about, you know, all the different innovations or weird things that have started here and, mm-hmm. Um, Pringles, the magic eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> Pringles. Yeah. 
I yeah. almost, I was just about to say it, Kat. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the whole thing with the Magic 8 Ball and Laura Prudy, yeah. and, you know, yeah. I mean, that's uh-huh. close to my mind because I'm illustrating it right now. Yeah, I, I, I should mention Kevin said he was going to finish co- his comic before I did and you did. <laughs> yeah, because I, I figured I was, you know, like I'm. You know, everyone thinks that I'm a very fast artist because it's like, oh, I do like a you know a single page, single page comic in in a day, and I throw that up. I am slow as hell. I am like a really slow artist. It's just everyone assumes that I'm fast. Well, and I, I, so I thought, I thought like with Christ, I thought really thought that Christina was going to beat me uh, finishing <laughs> the comic. No, you like both you were so been, busy. I, I like you have been sort of uh, in a admired in deadlines is the best way to describe it like it's it's sort of like where you could barely move yeah um mm-hmm. so i just kind of squeeze things in when i can yeah I, I, oh yeah, that reminds of... me do you have anything going on for free comic book day me or christina uh you well, you <laughs> i do <laughs> not it goes it. to yeah. christina as well <laughs> i no i i don't oh, okay other than getting I, some. you know i <laughs> yeah other than getting some I, comic books I would, that is yeah not a three-way. I, I would love to take just some time and um yeah because you know because like you know you, you know christine you asked me like what would i want to do with you know if i could draw anything right now i really don't know because i'm you know i've been bouncing back and forth between all these different projects and i've got a you know a weekly cartoon i don't know what i would sit down and draw and i would love to kind of just get all the work out of my system now and then you know really just like veg out for a week or two and figure out like okay where would i want to go what would i want to do and you know Mm -hmm. kind of build build myself back up that way um Mm -hmm. that's originally why i went freelance because i wanted to do my own projects but uh i mean and this is great i have not i have not had a lull in two years Mm -hmm. but i would love to awesome yeah. I would love to see, you know, what I could do without the pressures of deadlines and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, not that this is an invitation for people not to give me work. I love, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. You just like being yeah. able to explore the more creative, like yeah, grassroots creativity of making comics than just doing the commissions or the work for uh, companies or commercial stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very different dance altogether between commercial work versus freelance yeah Yeah, and doing something in a day versus a week or a month Mm -hmm. yeah 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 you know and that that actually scares me because you know i mean coming from a news background and then you know getting into things like uh you know commercial storyboards and and Mm -hmm. you know uh big illustration projects like i mean i'm i'm i've been working with uh, children's hospital for you know about a year and a half now doing illustrations and i've done hundreds of illustrations for them um Mm -hmm. you know always you know having that kind of work where there's always a constant deadline i don't get to sit down and think about what i'm doing Mm -hmm. um and in some sense oh go on i was gonna say your your work that you did for the symphony was amazing and i know you had to do it very quickly uh yeah and i you know and i i think it that you know, that helped me because I wasn't, I, I wasn't second guessing myself. It was, I've got 18 or 20 illustrations to do in two weeks and I've just got to just, you know, 
go through each one, you know, you know, as quickly as I possibly could. Well, I hate uh, to say this, but I think that's how you create a lot of comics and stuff. There is no reflection. Like a lot of people yeah. think if I had a month doing nothing, I'd make so much additional work, but you end up not doing that. Like if I have right. a month where I could do whatever I want, then I'm like outside sketching or I'm doing stuff or I'm traveling. Like it ends up not being art. It, it ends up, you have to have this sort of trial by fire to create mm -hmm. anything. And so it, it, it feels like that, that sort of rocket fuel that gets you through working yeah. on something like having a deadline and having to do it quickly is almost better because when you first, like I've noticed this when you work on comics or when you work on it, uh, on a book, the first couple pages are the hardest. Oh, you yeah. spend mm -hmm. like three weeks on them. And then like, as you run out of time, like your last page takes five hours. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's like the, there's somebody should do like a curve of how like long it takes you to do each page in a multi-page project, <laughs> because it, there is some sort of formula you could probably come up with, but with how much time you spend on the first page compared to the last. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, and I'm, I'm the type of person like, you know, like I will switch between different projects, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. different styles working in, you know, like going from like Photoshop to illustrator. And because I'm like jumping so, you know, so much between different things, I'll sometimes need like a week or two just to rev up, you know, like get myself into the mode of doing a project, like, okay, like immersing myself in the style without doing the work even though I know like the people I'm working for are like, okay, you know, where's, mm -hmm. you know, you've had two weeks. Mm -hmm. Why haven't we haven't gotten a single illustration yet? Well, I'm feeling yeah. my way around again. Well, yeah. I think that's um, part of the process too. Like the, the time that you're not doing work, you have to recover, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not just doing comics. Like you hear about Joshua Bell says when he isn't playing violin, he likes to take a couple of days and just play video games. You know, and Lindman Miranda says the same thing. Like when he's not writing, he'll play video games or, you know, just goof off or answer stuff on Twitter. Like you need to have that release, I think, to survive. Right. Yes. Like it and can't just like work. Henry Cavill, who, when he's not playing the Witcher, plays the Witcher. Anyway. <laughs> I've on been that watching note. that. I've, I've been watching <laughs> on that. that note. Yes, uh, and I think we're going to. So, Kevin. Can you give us your social media handles where everyone can follow you? Um, I'm at uh, Kevin Necessary, all one word on Instagram, although I'm terrible with posting on Instagram lately. Um, and then I'm at, uh, at K Necessary on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm in one of those, I'm in one of those lulls where I'm doing a lot of work that no one is going, that very few people are going to see. So um, I've been doing, you know, posting less cartoons and things like that on social media. Once these projects are done and I can get back to, you know, having fun and playing around, I think you're going to yeah. see my, my, you know, my work. Yeah. My personal work spike. Yeah. I always like reading. I like reading all your work. And also for our listeners, if you'd like, you can visit Kevin's website, which is kevinnecessary.com. And you can read Lighthouse of the Sky, which is the story about the Cincinnati Observatory and also the history of Chile, which is just one click below on at least on my screen. And also your, I believe it was your Emmy, 
award-winning series, which was Living in the Shadows, yeah. which you did with WCPO. So that's all available in the comics and cartoons section on Kevin's website. And also you will be on in our next issue of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Which will be starting in October. So we're already yes. planning and figuring out all the stuff we have to do for that. So um, I think we're going to skip our hometown haunt this week. Um, yes. So we've got like a This is a good episode. Thank yeah. you, Kevin. Thank yeah, you for joining us. us. One yes, question. Okay. Where do you keep your Emmy? <laughs> uh, I, I keep it on a, uh, uh, there's a China cabinet downstairs in our living room. Um, it's got various bits and bobs on it. Like it's, you know, like there's the Emmy, there's a little, uh, you know, 3D printed baby Yoda, you know, standing next to Aww. it. Um, That's really cute. Yeah. You know, there's a, you know, some signed bottles of, of whiskey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will yeah. say I was half yeah. expecting you just to reach down and say right here. <laughs> just hold it up all right <laughs> I mean, yeah i mean yeah it always you know like i um you know we've uh, we've got a uh, like a, a 1961 ticket to a a world series game that is on that same you know china cabinet and a friend you know a friend was over was like oh hey where's i want to see that that ticket is like oh yeah you know you just go down the hall uh find the emmy and the you know, and the, you know, the tickets to the, you know, to the right. And I wasn't even thinking about how effing pretentious that sounded. <laughs> because it's, you know, it's just there. It's part of our living room, you know. It's, well, yeah. You know, I mean, it's something, it it's something, daily. yeah, it's something I dust, you know, every, you know, <laughs> you know, every two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I'm just... looking forward to everything. Well, I just, as a, a side inquirer story, you don't have to, put this in uh but glenn hartong used to keep hit one of his i I don't know if he's one more than one or not in his Um, office and he he used to put his keys on it and i and i just i have never seen an emmy in person so i thought it was flipping awesome and i was just like huh i know people that have won emmys i just think that's so cool (laughs) well here's here's what's funny um when i die I have to, I have to like tell I have to either like formally bequeath it to someone or really? it has to be sent back to like the academy of whatever you know Oh my gosh really and, it, and and then it will be put into storage but like you know hmm. it's it's yours but really it's not It's yours. on loan. Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Now that is pretentious. That yeah. is. Yeah, but that's wow. not Kevin's pretentious. No, no, no. no. I right. wasn't saying it was. I was, you know, I mean, I mean, I can, yeah, I mean, I've got, you know, my Edward R. Murrow Awards and Associated Press Awards, you know, just above my well, head if you really want to well, see yeah. those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, those are not, just as cool. They're, yeah, they are. As impressive as the Emmy. Mm. <laughs> well, it's like, cool. I would, I would say they're pretty even there, Kevin. Yeah, they're all. Yeah. Now you need an Eisner Award. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Gold. And a Pulitzer. Yes. Well, I mean, we, we know how the Pulitzers feel about editorial cartoonists. Oh, that's true. That's not going to be. Yeah, that, that was a weird <laughs> yeah. story. We could get into that. Um, did we talk about that with with Steve at all? I thought there was uh, some mention no, of that. We mentioned it with him, yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. here we're almost two hours long. Yeah, so, so we need to. Yeah. yeah. 
I'll, I'll be we need to do a Cincinnati <laughs> chili tour with you, Kevin. That'd be fun. I, yeah. I want to do a chili ghost tour. I think we could combine it, oh, several packs. Do you really want to combine those two in one night? No. Mm-hmm. No. I have a sensitive We'd be getting, tummy. No. We would get so many audio, just unexplained toots and squeaks. Very, yes, very yes. interesting, very odd, mysterious, <laughs> gaseous entities floating yes. around. Uh-huh. Noxious clouds. Uh, yeah. At 1.59 a.m., Christina farted. Yeah. <laughs> what smells like sulfur? Is it the devil? Or is it Skyline? Or your, <laughs> or your GI <laughs> system? Is it the devil or is it Skyline? That's great. <laughs> Okay, I think that's a great place to cut it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so thanks for being on the show, Kevin. Well, thanks for having thank me. You. And Bye. thank you everyone who's listening for joining us for another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I'm Kat Cloco. Along with me is Jen and Christina. And if you have any great ghost experiences of your own, you can send them to our email at home the hometown haunts hometown haunted mail at gmail.com thank you and good night yeah we might even read one one day maybe (laughs) we have them i swear